The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to another edition of our post-game podcast, the POD Cast. This is a special solo Thanksgiving edition. I'm here in the bowels of Ford Field after the Lions lost to the Chicago Bears, 16-14. Another frustrating one. Another... Another creative way for the Lions to to blow a game late. Um, not that they controlled the game from beginning to end, but they obviously held that 14-13 lead till late in the game. They come off the field after uh, an offensive series with eight minutes and a half left in that game, and the Bears bleed out every single second remaining on that clock and kick a game-winning field goal to end it. Um, let's talk about some of the, the big takeaways from this game, and I think obviously the number one thing is coaching is going to be the, the main storyline here. Um, the double timeout. Uh, Lions facing a third and nine defensively on that last drive of the game. Uh, Dan Campbell doesn't like what he sees out of the defense. There's an apparent miscommunication. Half of the secondary uh, has one call. The other second, the other half of the secondary has another call. He calls a timeout, but he had called one on the previous play. Five-yard penalty gives the Bears a third and four instead of a third and nine, which they pick up easily and run out the rest of the clock. Now, Dan Campbell talked after the game. Um, didn't seem like he regretted the timeout all that much, to be honest. And that is uh, is something I'll talk about in a minute. But um, just to break down what exactly happened there, because I think a lot of people are frustrated. How could you come out in timeout and have a big miscommunication like that in a key moment of the game? And that's a fair criticism. Uh, Campbell's response was essentially that there was a check at the line. Um, they were in one coverage. I believe it was cover zero, so no safeties. Um bringing the heat, everyone in man-on-man. And then the Bears changed to a a max protection look, and the Lions wanted to change out of that, but only half the secondary got that call. The other half did not, and as Dan Campbell put it, he thought a touchdown was about to happen. Um, he thought um, the, line, the Bears were about to throw it out to the flight, and they did, um, but you know the, they stopped the play there, and he was convinced they were going to score a, t- a touchdown there, which obviously would have given the Bears a, a five-point lead at the time. They'd probably go for two there, maybe a seven-point lead, and the Lions would theoretically have about a minute 40 left to potentially tie the ball game up or maybe win the ball game, depending on if they make that, sec- that two-point conversion or not. Um, he calls a timeout instead gives the Lions a five-yard penalty. It's unclear, really, if Dan Campbell knew that it was a penalty there. If 
you know, back-to-back timeouts would result in the penalty. It is allowed in college, uh, not allowed in the pros. So um, he's left with a decision to call a timeout or watch his team basically give up a, a, a go-ahead touchdown in the last two minutes of the game. He decides to call a timeout, gives the Lions an opportunity still to make a stop there, third and four. Um, they obviously don't do that, and as we said, the Bears run out the rest of the clock now. It's it's a tough call for him. If he knew that it would result in a penalty, he's stuck between a, hard, a rock and a hard place there, right? Um, you know, getting a third and four is not – you're not giving up there. Like, get it, taking that five-yard penalty is not the end-all be-all. You'll still give your defensive chance to make a play there. And, you know, being down two points instead of five or seven – um, definitely a much better situation for Jared Goff in an offense that wasn't moving the ball very well all game. Um, but at the same time, you give the Bears another opportunity uh, to, to bleed out the rest of the clock, and that's what happens. So um, toss up there. It's, it's a tough call. It do, it's not a good look for the coaching staff to, to be in that situation in the first place. We've seen so many miscommunications in the secondary all season, and for it to happen again at such a critical moment, the Lions really need to lock that down. And, and you can blame the young players. You can blame the experience you know there were some more injuries in this game that forced guys in, in positions they, they aren't normally in you know Will Harris is playing nickel because AJ Parker's on IR um, lines few Lions linebackers went down in this game so there's excuses to be had there but we are in we're nearly in December now that sort of stuff really really needs to stop you, you can't have it happen and you can blame the timeout but I think that's a bit of a distract. The real problem here is that there's miscommunications going on at critical times in this game. I, I get that the crowd is allowed. I get that there's there's young players out there, but you just you just can't have it. And um, that's that's to me where I think the coaching staff deserves a lot of blame. Also, I mean the penalties in this game, ten penalties for the Lions, and part of the reason they were in the the spot they were was because the Lions were moving the ball right before that eight minute drive, and then back to back to back penalties false start holding holding the second time in the game in which that exact sequence happens which i don't know if i've ever seen in my lifetime two second and 32s and you just are not like this offense has enough problems if they're gonna get you know these holding penalties which interestingly enough jared goff kind of criticized in his postgame press conference he said I've, I've never seen a game called that way. I've never seen so many holding penalties. There's holding on every play, but I've never he, – he called it – he used the word unfair, which I wonder if he's going to face some, some fines for, for some of those comments. But um, regardless, the Lions can't put themselves in that kind of situation, especially on a day in which they kind of were, were passing the ball okay. I mean, Jared Goff finishes this game 21 of 25 for 171 yards and 121 passer rating, and that kind of represents the kind of game he had. Like, they still kind of had the training wheels on him. They still seemed to really rely on the short passing game and, and really hesitant to, to throw the ball a lot in this game. But he went downfield a couple times. He found TJ Hawkinson a couple times in the second half. Josh Reynolds kind of showed what he he's worth with this team and um, could be – you know, uh, a, a sign of optimism going forward um, that this Lions might be able to go vertical again uh, on offense. But when you have those penalties on key drives, the other drive, the Lions were in field goal range. They were in the, at the 30-yard line of the Bears. Easy three points right there. 20 yards worth of penalties pushes them back. And as, as Dan Campbell said, like, this team is just not good enough to overcome those penalties. And so that was absolutely killer. And it, it's tough to see. And, I mean, how can you not think about it now? The Lions are 0-10-1. They just faced maybe the three worst teams on their schedule, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, couldn't come away with a win. And you don't, you don't want to make the narrative 0-16-1, but you have to think about it now. There's six games left. Six games left, and 
you might have just blown your best chance. I know there's still Atlanta on the schedule, maybe Seattle on the schedule, and the Lions have played all these teams pretty much close. So, you know, maybe there's another chance, but it really feels like the Lions blew it on on a prime opportunity in in this entire three-game stretch um, with a Bears team that just was in absolutely disarray this entire week with Matt Nagy rumors going on that this team was about to, to fire him and then not fire him and players hating him and all that sort of stuff, and it's just... It was right there on the table, and now you have to wonder how true an 0-16-1 one season is on the table. Um, deep, diving a little deeper into this game before uh, before I let you guys go here. Um, obviously, the, the another reason why 0-16-1 really seems in play here is DeAndre Swift suffers a shoulder injury in this game. Um, his shoulder injury, Dan Kimball in his post game called it a shoulder sprain. Same one he injured in the in the, in the Steelers game and, and missed some time during that game as well. Um, he, he called it kind of a wait-and-see situation, so hopefully the, you know, the Lions have 10 days or so until their next game. Hopefully that's enough to get him back in the game, but if not... He's your best playmaker on offense. Like that, I, you know the Lions have good running backs. I think that room is talented, and the run game might be able to to survive without him. But when it comes to those big plays, when it comes to the passing game, the Lions are going to have to find someone else to go to there, and uh, we'll see how if, if they can figure something out there. Because obviously the offense still very much a big issue. Um, running game couldn't really ever get going. Penalties again a big part of that. Conservatism. Uh, also a big part of that, but it seems like teams have kind of found out, found the lines out. Um, if you load up that box, you, you stop the run, you stop kind of those screen passes, the bubble screens to the wide receivers. The lines don't have an answer for that. Maybe maybe Josh Reynolds is the answer to that. We saw those flashes this game, but the lines are going to have to lean on that and 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 keep defenses honest. And we haven't seen them been able to do that for an entire ball game yet. They've they've only shown the flashes um, defensively. I'd say it was a mostly successful game from the front seven, which is kind of a reversal of what we normally see. Um, I thought the interior defensive line played fantastic in this game. We saw a lot of Ali McNeil, and we saw a lot of Levi Onzerike, and I think it showed. And I think hopefully that's kind of the trend that, that we're going to see the rest of this game because I thought both players were, were great in this game. Levi finishes with two tackles. Um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Levi finishes with two. Aleem finishes with three. Um, Levi also gets his first sack, career sack uh, on, on a nice play from him there. Um, and, and I thought the linebacking crew was actually kind of great in this game. Alex Anzalone, uh, another deflected pass that almost res- resulted in an interception, um, a couple good tackles. I thought Derek Barnes was kind of hit or miss in this game, um, a couple good plays, a couple not-so-good plays in, in coverage in particular. Um, but the secondary, um, definitely a big problem on this game. You have Andy Dalton, a guy who was not pushing the ball down the field at all this year and finishes 8.1 yards per attempt, 317 yards and an 85.1 passer rating. Um, the Lions do get a phenomenal interception by uh, Amani Orowari in this game. Maybe the best play I've ever seen that guy make, but overall, uh, just too easy for Andy Dalton for, for most of this game. Um, when, when you have, you know, Darnell Mooney was, was a huge problem uh, in this game. 123 yards in this game. He had 100 yards in the previous um previous matchup and and in this game they they lost Marquise Goodwin uh, halfway through the game so the lines the Bears don't have a great receiving core obviously not even playing Allen Robinson in this one and the Lions secondary just couldn't seem to get the plays that they needed most of the time in this game so um, you know you end up in in maybe the the Bears most successful passing game of the season because this is this was the worst passing offense in the league by nearly 40 yards per game if, if you're going by a per game basis and so giving up a 370 
17 yards. Just not really an, ex- an acceptable performance from the Lions secondary in general. Just they always seem to be about a, a step behind. And and sure, you know the guys are battling out there. I, I still think Jerry Jacobs is mostly playing well. I think I think what, when the Lions really got into trouble was when uh, was when Mooney went into the slot because that meant it was Will Harris time. Will Harris on Dar- Darnell Mooney was a mismatch, and uh, Dalton went that way several times in this game. So a bit of a step back for the defense, and I think that was to be expected because the previous two weeks, while the Lions were playing well defensively, a lot of that had to do with bad quarterback play. Um, we, we saw what Mason Rudolph did. We saw last week Baker Mayfield looked like not even a starting-level quarterback, and Andy Dalton... Let's, let's be honest, he's a much better quarterback than both those guys, and he proved it today. And so defensively, there's still a lot to figure out. I think there's more excuses uh, that, that, you, that you can make on the defensive side of the ball because that secondary is so beat up, again, without A.J. Parker in this game and obviously all of the other guys that they've lost this season. So a step back there. The other issue, I think, is pass rush. It's just not there. The Lions tried to blitz several times in this game, and it was not very effective, um, you know, Aaron Glenn in the past has said, you know, we need to earn the right to, to blitz, to, to pass rush, to all that stuff. Well, the Lions were great defensively in terms of getting into long third downs. They they held the Bears to 2.3 yards per carry. They earned the right to pass rush, and they couldn't do it. And so, you know, it, for those of you looking towards the draft and you're, you're thinking about Kayvon Thibodeau, you're thinking about Aiden Hutchinson, yeah, this defense needs one of those guys bad because there is just no one there to pass rush. And, of course, you'll get Romeo back next year, hopefully. But an Achilles injury is tough to come back from. And, and of course, they're also missing Trey Flowers in this game. But you, know, you wonder if that's a, a guy that's going to be a part of this thing long term. Probably not. So the Lions are going to need to get some pass rushers in this team. And no offense to guys like Juno, Julian O'Quarr or Austin Bryant. Those guys are, are playing their butts off. But those guys are best as rotational guys and right now they're being thrust into into almost full-time roles and the lines just aren't aren't coming home and and also I, I think you have to you have to look at Aaron Glenn in this game because we've seen some blitzes work in the past they were not working in this game they need to figure something out because the Bears offensive line which is not really that good they you know they gave up the most sacks in the league and sure some of that is on Justin Fields um, but they had the lines figured out at every turn it seemed when they tried to dial up the blitz on this game so um, really rough go of it there um, back to the offense um, Josh Reynolds, as I mentioned, seems like a very big positive to take from this game. Hopefully he, he can extend, um, you know, the line's offense a little bit, stretch defenses a little bit. Um, elsewhere, Jamal Williams looked fine um, after kind of a poor game last week against the Browns. 15 carries, 65 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. He's going to probably probably be the workhorse back um, going forward for now. Um, we'll see, again, how Swift's injury uh, impacts the team going forward. But I think the real story of the offense, the real big disappointment in this game is the offensive line. And, and it's all the holding calls, but it's more than that, right? Like, they, they give up a sack. Jared Goff fumbles on the play that's a big turning point and again a a drive that had some promise they were at midfield and it it almost takes you back to the first Bears matchup where um, the Lions had all those opportunities on the Bears side of the field and came away with zero points well it happened again in a much different way because it was all the penalties it was the one turnover and and that erases you know a a day in which the Lions I mean I don't want to say they moved the ball consistently but they, they, they were figuring some things out, it seemed like, in the passing game. And the running game in the second half was better. And so it seemed like they progressively were figuring things out in this game. And then the immediate moment in which it seemed like they were turning the corner, which seems like maybe they would finally score more than 20 points in a football game, a turnover happened or a holding penalty happened and happened and happened and happened. And that was it. 
that was the end of the game. The Lions just could not get out of their own way in this one, and it's disappointing. It's uh, it's frustrating to see this team come so close and hold themselves back, really, because that's that's what it is. It's not necessarily anything that the opponents are doing. It's not necessarily anything that. Uh, isn't fixable you know and and some some of the players mentioned that like that's where they're taking optimism is all these mistakes are, are fixable they're they're on their end and sometimes that's just a talking point but that really felt true in this game because of all the penalties false starts those sort of things you can correct you cannot just simply not do um but the problem is the miscommunications the penalties they're consistent and that's where coaching comes in if they're not improving on those things it's a coaching thing and yes young roster Yes, inexperience. Yes, a bunch of guys playing with others who haven't played with each other before. On the offensive line in this one, remember, Tommy Kramer, first career start for him. And and you're, you're starting next to Evan Brown, a backup center, and Panay Sewell still moving all around and all those things. So it's it's not an easy situation. And, no, and, and we all knew coming in this wasn't going to be an easy situation for anyone. On the coaching staff, too, that's another thing. All, a lot of these coaches, Aaron Glenn, first-time defensive coordinator, Dan Campbell, first-time, full-time head coach. All these guys are learning on the job, and that's why I want to finish this with anyone calling for jobs of coaches after this game, relax. It sucks. It was embarrassment. It needs to stop happening, but relax. This is year one for a lot of people in new jobs, and it was always going to be a tough learning curve. When the team is not talented and you make a mistake, that sort of mistake is magnified. Coaches make mistakes every single week. Blunders on on two-minute drills, timeouts, play calls happens every, every, every single week. But when you're this bad, it's magnified because it costs you a game in which, you know, other teams can can overcome. And when you're 0-10 and 1, it's going to make it look really bad. If the Lions, you know, if if the 66-yard field goal doesn't go in and the Lions are 1-9 and 1, are we calling for Dan Campbell's head? I don't know. Probably not, honestly. Um, and and I just I think it's silly. I think it's silly. This team is just very, very untalented. And I understand the viewpoint. Dan Campbell's made some critical mistakes. He's taken over the offense, and it hasn't looked any better in three weeks. Yes, he deserves a lot of criticism. Yes, absolutely. And I understand, like, well, why not make the change now? If, if you know this guy isn't your guy, make the change now while we aren't three week, three years into a new regime and it's not working. The problem is, how are you so sure that Dan Campbell isn't the guy? Because he's made a couple late-game blunders? I'm sorry, but that's a regular thing that happens in this league. It is. And you hope he learns from it, and you hope he changes some of his philosophies once the team is better, and maybe he will. Maybe we need to actually wait this one out. Maybe we have to see what Dan Campbell is going to do when he has a talented roster, when he doesn't feel hamstrung by a wide receiving core that isn't very good and a quarterback that is still seemingly unwilling to push the ball downfield. Once he has a good roster, maybe he makes better decisions. But he knows right now he has to play super conservative and he has to do certain things because he doesn't trust his players right now. And so once you get good players, you're going to get different schemes, different ideas, hopefully different things, different you know, game calling. And that isn't to excuse any of his behavior so far. But you do have to realize a lot of this is first-time stuff for him. Maybe he didn't know that you couldn't call back-to-back timeouts. I don't know. And that's something he'll learn for, from. And so I think, I think you have to give him at least a little bit of leeway here. As much as you're giving all the rookies on this team, the undrafted rookies, give Dan Campbell a little bit of a break. 
That doesn't mean don't criticize him. That doesn't mean what he did is acceptable. But give him a little break to learn on the job. Because that's what he's doing. That's what, a lot, that's what all these guys are doing. And if you're not even going to give this rebuild a freaking chance, then what are we doing here? Then we're just going to continue to rebuild over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. you got to give Dan Campbell a chance. And, and I'll leave you guys with that. I hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we will be back on the podcast on uh, either Sunday night or Monday night on our Twitch channel, channel twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. Follow us on Twitter, and you'll get notifications every time we do go live. Um, we'll be recapping the game with the whole gang. We'll be talking about all of Week 12 and then looking ahead, obviously, to the Minnesota Vikings next week. But uh, I hope you all had a th- happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you again soon. It's chaos. Be kind. Be kind.